Welcome back to Alpaca My Bags. I am not Aaron. I am Katie, the producer of this podcast. Uh, this whole episode is meant to give you a better idea of our host, Aaron, who is sitting right in front of me. Hello, Aaron. Hello. <laughs> so, essentially, we want to give you a better idea of who this girl even is. Like, who even are you, Aaron? Why should we be know. listening to you? I don't know. <laughs> It blows my mind that people actually listen to this every week. I'm proud to say that people do. <laughs> yes. And that's all I'm going to say. It doesn't matter who many, but as long as people are listening. Because there's some good stuff in here. Yeah. And we're like, how many episodes in now? I don't know, like 10-ish. So it's about time people get to know us better. Yeah, I think 10 episodes in, I think people should know you by now. <laughs> so I have some questions for you. Okay. Some are based from people online. Some uh-huh. are some that I've prepared for you. Uh-huh. So I hope you're ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Excellent. Okay, Erin. Well, first off, what's your educational and work background? What is this, an interview? Like, for a job? Hell yeah, it is. <laughs> Give us the pitch. Um, well, I want to know, like, I don't know, what are you interested? What's your background like? Okay, I'll give the short version. Because it's a pretty, like, speckled background. I went to university initially for English literature. I did an undergrad in that. Um I've always loved reading, so that made sense for me. And then I ended up doing a master's in film studies. And this was because while doing my undergrad, I developed a huge love for cinema. Um, And I wanted to write about representation of women in cinema. And so I did a master's degree at York University where I wrote on this for two years. Mm -hmm. And that was probably the best two years of my life, honestly. (laughs) Master, like, I would just be a student forever if I could. Yeah. I loved it. I got to critically think every single day, and I was surrounded by people who loved to critically think. It was so fun. So following that, I went traveling for almost a year, and then when I came home, I started working professionally in Toronto. So I've done, a, I've done like, quite a few different things in terms of professional work, I worked in administration at an arts college, and then I worked at a nonprofit institute, which is a research institute in more communications, and now I'm switching over to marketing. Damn. Um, and I'm actually in the process right now of switching jobs, so I'll follow up on that later, guys. <laughs> well, best of luck. Sending you good vibes. Thank you. Who wouldn't love you, though? In my opinion. Ah, <laughs> Um. So do you have any hidden talents and what are they? Oh my gosh. Okay. When I was in high school, my hidden talent was roaring like a lion. What? <laughs> like there's a video on YouTube of me doing this oh somewhere God. at a party. <laughs> and one time I actually met a lion at a park, not a park, like at a zoo. And... I, it was the first time I'd ever been to a zoo. Like, zoos are weird places. I don't ever plan to go back to one. So I'm in this zoo. I see this lion, and I'm like, oh, this is the perfect opportunity to see if my lion roar is, like, legitimate. <laughs> and so I'm staring at this lion, and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm scared. Look at her. That's how real it is. Did that sound good? It sounded so good. <laughs> so I did that. And the lion turns around. <laughs> Are you okay? It just scared me so much. <laughs> Sorry. I should have warned you. <laughs> Sorry, 
continue. So, so I do that, and then the lion slowly, slowly turns around and he faces me with his butt. His tail lifts up, and he pees on me. Because lions, when they pee, it like squirts out their butt. <laughs> if you don't believe me, anyone listening, like YouTube this. It's legit. Oh my God. Just YouTube lion peeing. It like they projectile pee, and so it projectile peed all over me. Oh my I, was God. Co- I was covered in lion pee. Oh my God. But I felt very validated that my lion roar came across so real that he had to like mark his territory. <laughs> oh my God. That's so funny. Yeah. So that's probably my greatest hidden talent. I also play the violin and I rock climb. I do a bunch of things, but like my lion roar is the real talent. Wow. I'm so impressed. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay. Is Annie your cat? Oh, the truth is about to come out. Should we get her here for this? Yeah, yeah. What do you have to say, Annie? I'm not her real mom. Wow. Annie belongs to this man, this amazing, beautiful man who's been my friend for like 11 years. His name's Philip, and he moved to the UK. And when he did that, he bestowed to me his pride and joy which is this cat, (laughs) Annie. So I have her, I've had her for one year and we'll probably have her for another when his UK uh, visa runs out, then he'll come back and he'll rip her from me, rip her (laughs) from my arms. So that's the story of Annie. (laughs) As she sulks away to go sit on the carpet. Yeah. Uh, Okay, next question. Why travel? How did it become so important to you? It's definitely because of my parents. My parents traveled together a lot. And when I was growing up, I distinctly remember my mom showing me pictures all the time of them traveling. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I really remember is an image of a Japanese shrine and being really young and thinking like, whoa, what is that? Like, where is that? And just being really like bewildered by it and curious about it. And my mom like explaining to me what it was. And it was this old like little book that I could flip through. And I would look at it so much and always think about this. And then as I got older, she would tell these stories that were often hilarious about her and my dad most of the stories were about India because that like if you go to India you come back with a lot of stories (laughs) and they certainly did and it just it was like a a special thing these stories that my parents would tell and I feel like it um provoked in me evoked is no evoked in me I think both work provoke is like in a more maniacal sense yeah It wasn't maniacal, but they they definitely made me curious about the rest of the world. And the funny thing is we didn't actually travel as a family internationally. We traveled like within Canada, but I knew other kids growing up who would like go on trips to Europe with their family. Never did that with my family. But my parents were always really supportive of the idea of travel. Um, so when I was a teenager, they really encouraged me to raise some money like I made the money on my own with my summer job and used it to go and travel Um, so I went traveling for the first time when I was 16 to the Netherlands and then following that when I was about 18 I went on a trip on my own and my parents were always so supportive of it I know other people where like their parents would be cautionary about it but it was always so encouraged that 
I think it was a combination of like these stories that evoked a lot of interest for me, but also having parents who were like uber supportive and being mm-hmm. like, yes, go do it. Because my parents always saw travel as something that could be educational. And I think they valued that and they instilled in me that same value. And that's why I became hooked, I think. That's awesome. I think it was a, it was definitely a lot of it has to do with the encouragement of my parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how many countries have you traveled to? And which uh, ones? Okay. I honestly don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of people count and I, th- I have counted. So I know it's around 40, but I can't tell you the exact number. I'd have to like Amazing. count again. But it's around 40. Well, this question that I've written is... Can you rate them from favorite to least favorite? Oh my gosh, no, I can't. I probably couldn't even name all 40. Like, I'd have to go through Instagram. <laughs> Do you have, like, a like, top five? Yes. That's easy for me. Top five. Number one. Okay, I'm not going to number them. I'll just say these are my top five with no, like, order to them. Okay. India, Japan, Myanmar, Italy, the Netherlands. That's five. But also Bosnia and Herzegovina. Okay. Can I have six? Also Cuba. <laughs> also Guatemala. Wait, you have two more for a top ten. Oh, okay. Then Cambodia and Nepal. Nice. Yeah. I have Actually, and Jordan. Shoot. Oh. <laughs> We're coming up on uh, top 15 now. <laughs> and my least favorite? What a brutal question. Yeah, at least one least favorite. It, it's your least favorite, not one you hated. It's okay. just the least favorite. I know it, like it's subjective, obviously. People are going to argue with me, but I was not that impressed with Thailand. Oh. And I have a theory about why. What is this theory? I went to Thailand last on my Southeast Asia tour. A lot of people go there first, and so it's the first country that they're immersed in in Southeast Asia. And I've talked about this before, like the first time you're experiencing a new country is really, it imprints really well in your memory. But because it was the last country I went to in Southeast Asia after like four months, I had seen so much already that it felt very underwhelming. And that might have been because it's so well developed. You have access to like all these Western things and foods there. People are very like westernized in general it's very easy to travel there Mm -hmm. because the country is so developed and well connected and tourism is so developed that a lot of it is very like disnified in the sense that you'll pay for a ticket to go see like thai fighting and it's just put on it's not as cultural as other parts of southeast asia i felt more immersed when i was in like cambodia and vietnam culturally interesting yeah so thailand has its draw for sure i think like mainly because of the beaches and the islands which were beautiful but even there like in the islands we purposefully went to islands that were less busy because Mm -hmm. there's so much over tourism in thailand it gets overwhelming okay interesting. that's my that's my logic behind saying thailand That's given me a lot to think about. Yeah. So we've heard nuggets about your partner throughout the podcast. Mm -hmm. So his name is Luke, as far as we know. Yes. Um, So do you guys, how did you meet? And do you guys always travel together? Um, We met traveling, (laughs) of course. (laughs) Um, We met in a hostel uh, 10 years ago in 2010. 
Is that 10 years Dang. ago? Nine years ago. Um, in Greece on the island of Corfu. That is so um, romantic. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a party hostel. So it wasn't like that romantic. But I mean, seeing him for the first... Like, this sounds really corny, but I can remember like the first time I saw him. And I can remember in my like 19-year-old head being like, oh my God, he's so hot. <laughs> and it was like... The sun was going down and the light the light was like shining behind his head. It was straight out of a movie. I didn't think this was like I always think to myself, I don't believe in fairy tales, but it kind of happened to me in that sense. And I actually remember like we hung out like the whole few days that I was in Corfu. Um, and I knew from the start, I was like, oh, I really like this guy. And when we parted ways, I was like, I'll probably never see him again. But there was this little bit of me that was like, maybe I will. And that's what happened. So I, at the time, was working in a hostel in Venice. And he was backpacking across Europe with his best friend. I left. I had told them what hostel I was working in. About a week later, he and his friend just showed up at that hostel. And they ended up staying with me there in Venice for like, I think, a week. And then a couple weeks later, all of us met up again in Amsterdam. And then eventually we all went back to Canada. It turned out that he was also Canadian. And then he and I would like stay in touch over time. And then we didn't see each other for like a couple years. But then one day we were we happened to both be in Toronto and just met up. It was just like this weird fate where we would our paths would cross. And then, yeah, and then adulthood happened and we were like, <laughs> let's be together. And now we both live here in Toronto together. Aww. Yeah. But actually, like right at the beginning of our relationship, like as it is now, as like, you know, like a monogamous couple, um, we decided to travel to Asia. So we hadn't even lived in the same city when he so he had the option to go to Hong Kong as part of his master's degree and wanted to do it. And when he left, he was like, will you meet me in Asia? And we had only recently decided like, okay, now we're like a couple. And I remember telling my parents and them being like, we've never met this guy. And you're like going to fly across the world and travel with him for four months. I was like, yeah. So we did that. <laughs> so that was right at the beginning, um, but it worked out well. Now we have a happy little home here. Nice. Um, and yeah, I'd say I primarily travel with Luke. Uh, I travel a lot with my two friends, Senna and Joy. They were on episode one. Mm-hmm. We try to plan a trip every year. So we've been to Cambodia together, Vietnam together, um, Las Vegas together. And next we're going to Lilydale, New York. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a town full of mediums. Um, so I'll report back on that later. <laughs> Describe your first solo trip ever. My first legitimate solo trip was Europe. I studied abroad there for a couple months. And then following that, I traveled across Europe for like, I think, four months by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I was around 21 or 22 at that time. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Nice. What sparked the need to backpack Europe? I was living there, so it made sense. At that time, I was super interested in Europe. I really loved backpacking and hostel culture. I didn't have anyone to go with me, which is how I ended up going alone. (laughs) Um, But it was great. Yeah. I went to like, I think, 10 countries on that trip. Oh, my God. And I met up with Lucas on that trip several times. (laughs) (laughs) Next question. 
Yes. What's one of the things that you've done in your travels that you look back on and regret? That's such a good question. (laughs) There are things I regret, absolutely. I'd say one of the most reoccurring regrets is sometimes when I'm traveling, and Luke and I do this together, we become so cognizant of our budget and trying, like, we are hardcore at trying to be cheap while we travel. So sometimes we'll go to what people might call extremes (laughs) to the point (laughs) where, like, we won't do stereotypical, like, activities. We, when we were in Vietnam, we had the opportunity to go and stay in this treehouse, like, in the jungle. And I think it was, like, $100. And at the time, we were, like, no, that's too much money. It's absurd. Like we can't, we had Asia brain, they call it. Like you, your mind can't wrap, you can't wrap your head around the concept of spending that much money in like one night. And so we didn't do it because we were like, no, hundred dollars. That's like a whole week of travel that we're giving up to do this. Mm -hmm. And in retrospect now, I regret that we didn't do it. And I feel that often. Well, not that often, but there are certain moments where I'm like, I wish that I had just like been like, okay, never mind the budget. Like, let's just have the experience. Mm-hmm. That sounds like it would have been amazing. It would have been. <laughs> we'll go back. Excellent. And then vice versa. What's one thing that you've done in your travels that you never expected to blow you away? I think like, and I think I've talked about this before, actually. The first time I saw the Coliseum is really memorable for me. And I remember thinking that was weird because I didn't think that it would impress me. Like, that's a terrible thing to say, but it it wasn't on my bucket list as, like, something that I would really fall in love with. And mm-hmm. I remember seeing it and almost, like, being brought to tears, just looking at it and, like, trying to conceptualize all the history behind it. And that was unexpected for me. And actually, on that note, Venice, Italy was the same. A lot of people don't like Venice because it's super crowded and it smells bad that's what I've heard (laughs) everyone says this I actually meet a lot of people who really don't like Venice but I remember getting off the train thinking that thinking like oh I'll probably not like it that much it's gonna be busy but got off the train and was like wow I'm in another world it was like mind-blowing and that was definitely unexpected that's amazing yeah I love Venice. (laughs) Um, Okay, I know, I feel like you have stuff to say about this one. What's something that gets you riled up about the travel community online? Oh, this is so easy for me. Travel (laughs) insurance. I see this debated so often. So I'm part of a a lot of like travel, um, travel, what are they called? Like forums especially on Facebook, and people will post all the time, like, should I get travel insurance? And I it blows my mind because I'm like, why is this even a question? And then in the comments, people will be debating, like, oh, you don't really need it. Like, you're only there six days. And I just, I can't wrap my head around why people would spend thousands of dollars on a trip but not be willing to buy travel insurance. <laughs> It's so silly. How on average, how much is travel insurance? Would you say? Oh my gosh, like ten to twenty dollars a day. It depends <laughs> where you're going. Yeah, but like not that much. And as someone who's like racked up hospital bills in foreign countries, there's just no logic. Mm-hmm. Why would you do that? People <laughs> end up in like hundreds of thousands of debt, dollars of debt because they don't do it. And I, I just can't believe how often people are debating this. <laughs> 
I don't know. I was always like, if you're going on a trip, you buy travel insurance. You don't do you <laughs> that's think so? always that's always been instilled like I thought you had to in order to travel. It should like, be that way. My parents drilled that into my brain. Yeah. Thinking that like, oh, I can't go overseas without travel insurance. It's like they won't allow you to get on a plane without insurance. Yeah. I sometimes have like double insurance. I'm insured by by my Luke's company, but I'll still buy like extra insurance, like just to be sure. Well, that's one I didn't expect. Oh, it just, it really bothers me that people ask this. Okay, well, what's one thing that gets you really excited about the travel community online? Just the ability for people to be supportive of each other. And this is kind of a reflection of hostile culture. I remember like really enjoying staying in hostels as a solo traveler because the amount of times I would like create meaningful connections with people or that like people would go out of their way to help me um, while in a hostel was amazing. Mm -hmm. Like for example, I got really sick one time in a hostel in um, Budapest and everyone in the hostel was taking care of me, like going out and getting me medication, checking on me because I was like vomiting a lot. Mm-hmm. People would come in every hour to check on me. No one was complaining that I was like very ill in this dorm that we were all sharing. It was just really beautiful the way like people came together as a community to help someone that they didn't know. And I see this reflected in a lot of these travel communities online as well. Um, For example, like at one point I saw this woman post that she had found a wallet on a beach in Costa Rica and the ID belonged to an American woman. And she posted the ID like with all the information blacked out, Mm -hmm. just the first name and the picture. And within hours, the community had tracked down this woman. Oh my God. Because the woman who posted it was like, I'm in a small town in Costa Rica, like if someone on this group is connected or like recognizes this woman, put us in touch because she's for sure here and it worked. That's amazing. And I've seen things like this happen so often. It just warms my heart. Oh, I love that. And just people like being willing to offer support. Um, I've seen instances where like women have posted like I've had to leave my Airbnb because of an uncomfortable situation and people offer accommodation it's just a really like loving and supportive community a lot of the time that's what I was thinking about a little bit with this question too is that there must be a decent amount of like women looking out for each other too being Mm -hmm. like you know this place wasn't super safe I would avoid Mm -hmm. or things like that too which I thought is pretty cool that didn't exist for a long time until probably recently yeah For sure. And I should, full disclosure, the groups that I'm a part of are women only. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure there's other groups that are co-ed, but I have found really great community in the women only groups. Amazing. Girls love travel. Shout out to them. That's like (laughs) the best one. (laughs) Okay. Well, I have three more questions for you. Okay. They're all pack of my bags related. Okay. Um, so why do you feel like it's important to tell the types of stories that we tell on Alpaca My Bags about like ethical travel and tourism controversies? Why do you think it's important? Um, I felt like it was a space that hadn't yet been occupied and that um, needed to be. I know like I was 
obviously reading articles that related to the subject matter, but I always thought it'd be nice to have this somewhere like where it's all together and that is the constant focus so that travelers have like a reliable resource mm-hmm. um, on these topics and issues. Um, yeah, and I just, I feel strongly about it because I have witnessed a lot of, I don't want to call it like unethical travel, but I've witnessed a lot of things that disturbed me while traveling in terms of behavior by other travelers and it's not often talked about and I would like to see it talked about Mm -hmm. I think it's important like as with everything we do in life to educate ourselves and it's very easy when you view like because travel is viewed as such a like luxurious or like relaxing thing I think a lot of people dismiss the idea that it's like actually a topic that's worth discussing critically and so that's that's why I thought it would be cool to yeah. do this. And I fully agree. Sweet. Fully agree. Okay, this one, we're letting the cat out of the bag. Uh, how big is the Alpaca My Bags team? And how did you all <laughs> meet each other? <laughs> okay, the core team, two people. You and me. Yeah. <laughs> An honorable mention to Chris McCluskey. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who did our logo. Yeah. It's He's pretty amazing. awesome. So if you ever need any logo services or like any kind of um, design work, look up Chris McCluskey. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, okay, background. I <laughs> had developed my blog and was actually chatting with a colleague one day at work who who actually was just like, oh, this would be great, like in podcast format. And I was like, hmm, you're really right. And I thought about it all day. And then I got home and I was like, ah. Oh, I don't know anything about podcasting like I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the internet and ask if someone knows and so I went to this um forum that's really popular in Toronto it's called buns and I posted does anyone know how to make a podcast that's literally what I posted because I was like I don't know anything like what would be involved and then that's how I met you. Yeah. So meanwhile, on my end, I was having this existential crisis about how about I want to be a podcast producer, <laughs> but can't come up with any ideas. And I had like some ideas brewing, but I like couldn't sit down and do it because I felt like I needed more than just me to do it. And then I get a text from my friend that is a screenshot of Aaron's post in Buns. And I'm like, dude, I'm messaging her right now. Because <laughs> essentially your post was like, how do I make a podcast? I have an idea. And I was like, <laughs> I need to make a podcast. I have no idea. <laughs> so then we connected and then we went for tea. And then it's been history ever then since. Then it was born. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually fate. And then we found out that we have so many weird similarities. Like yeah. Like peanut allergies. <laughs> Yeah, which is a rare one. Like, I'm impressed. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah, it's been an excellent time, but yeah. just two of us. But it was honestly the perfect marriage because, like, I had an idea, but no idea how to, like, develop it. Mm-hmm. And you had all the answers I needed and vice versa. It's been so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, shout out to the internet because, like, the internet can be Hell really yeah. cruel sometimes, but can also be really great for mm-hmm. creatives to connect. Preach. Um, yeah, so kudos. Yep, that's the alpaca team. Yeah. We are also both doing marketing. <laughs> so everything on social media is both of us. Yes, we literally are the entire team. We just post to our heart's content. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, final question. Yes. What topics are you dying to cover on the podcast? What can we expect? 
there's two that um, we are going to cover for sure, but I'm really, really excited to work on, and that is animal tourism. Mm-hmm. I think this is, this is a very pervasive topic that a lot of people would be interested in. Um, we had a couple people ask about that, a too. Cu- Yeah, a couple people have asked about it. It's been brought up in passing before, and we're working on pulling that episode together. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that one from the get-go I knew would be a topic that we'd have to cover. Um, and the second one is uh, the White Savior Complex mm-hmm. and volunteerism. Mm-hmm. This one is another one that people have asked about. And the reason it's taking so long is because I feel, especially because I'm white, I feel such a responsibility in doing this particular um, particular episode well. So I want to make sure we find the right people to discuss with, um, with like various points of view. Mm-hmm. And I just want to research it really properly. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's the one that I'm I'm the most excited about, but also the most nervous about mm-hmm. um, because it will be ripe for criticism, which is totally fair. Mm-hmm. But yeah. What do you think about our first three star review? I'm happy it happened, to be Me honest, too. because I don't want to feel like we're living in an echo chamber where everyone who listens is just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like agreeing. Um, that makes me feel like I'm preaching from like a pedestal, which I'm definitely not. Um, When people take the time to actually engage with the ideas that we're bringing up and like take the time to criticize and especially like take the time to write out a well thought out review um, and criticism, I totally respect that. Mm -hmm. And in all honesty, I agreed with much of that. That particular episode, so this this review was criticizing the episode on Morocco and sexism. Um, and actually, I knew that that would be the episode that would, <laughs> would grind people's gears a little bit, which is fair. Um, yeah, I, I agreed with what the woman wrote. Should we read what she wrote? Yeah, I can pull it up. Give me one sec. Okay, I've got it. All right, so just read the review. Okay, so this is the review. It's three out of five stars. Um, it says, good concept, issues with the Morocco episode. So it says, hi, I lived in Morocco for a full year in 2016 as a white, blonde American woman in my young 20s, living with a Moroccan family and studying Arabic. I have major issues with how your guest Bella described her experience there. While your description was much more measured, I agree that there is a level of harassment Her description of the deep hatred for Westerners is completely misleading and insulting. I would like to point out that when your national economy is essentially based on tourism and and as a result your culture has been commodified to sell Western consumption, there is a bit of disillusionment when when local folks encounter Westerners. One could say this results from decades of enduring the trauma of Western imperialism and Orientalism. It takes a bit of humility to accept that there is a power dynamic there in which you are the imperialist that can show itself in wonky ways. It takes patience and you'll be a better person for having understood and dealt with the with that rather than getting insulted and angry. As a side note, you did pronounce... <laughs> can you say it? You try. I am reading it as Hashuma. <laughs> yeah. 
Is that how you say it? I think it was Hashuma. Hashuma. Okay. <laughs> Correctly. <laughs> yeah. Also, Moroccans believe that getting their photo taken literally harms their soul. So you should never take pictures in a crowded area. I would advise people study a bit of Moroccan Arabic and do your research before you go. Show that you actually care and respect about their respect their culture beyond the stereotypes and tropes. I would also recommend that you make a Moroccan friend while you're there. Visit with their family and have them show you around. That's the only way you'll escape the tourist bubble. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So it's a that's a hefty review. It was a hefty review, and I agree with a lot of it, especially on the issue of imperialism. That is absolutely true. Um, the only thing I like took issue with in the review is that it's from the perspective of someone who lived there, mm-hmm. which is different than going and traveling there for like one to three weeks. Um, and she was living with a family, which isn't something that we all get to do. And so I'm sure there was like a degree of insulation mm-hmm. in experiencing Morocco that way. Um, but it's it's all based on subjectivity, right? Like my subjective experience of Morocco was based not only on like the people that I encountered, but forms of trauma that I've experienced previously in my life. And I'm sure for Bella, there were things that were triggering while she was there. And that might have spurred the anger that she was experiencing. Mm-hmm. And that anger is co- totally valid, too. Totally like, valid. I don't yeah. think you should dismiss the anger that somebody feels from feeling like they were attacked and mm-hmm. feeling like they weren't respected. Mm-hmm. But I really like that she brought up the bit on power dynamics and imperialism because that's absolutely important to take into account when you're traveling and when you think about the way that people are interacting Mm -hmm. with you like locals interacting with someone who's come in like with the money to travel there um with privilege Mm -hmm. um but I think overall like this review really points to how travel is so subjective our experiences are so subjective Uh, A person can have an incredible experience in a country and someone else can have the complete opposite. It's really hard to consolidate these experiences um, into an objective opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, shout out to who is this person? Uh, Colleen. Colleen. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for the review. We actually really appreciate it. And it is constructive. Yeah. For sure. And I'm glad that you threw in some tips um, to help people Mm -hmm. who do want to go to Morocco. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we hope you kept listening. And I mean, all of you, like, please review us. Yeah. The reviews are helpful and we really do appreciate them. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. If you find any issue with our podcast or an episode please let us know because yeah. we want to make it better because we're not stopping anytime soon yeah so if anything we just want to make it something you want to hear for sure yeah okay well that's all the questions i have for you so thank you so much for sitting down with me yeah <laughs> in your wow, own house so weird like getting interviewed <laughs> on the other side <laughs> this has been a bonus episode of alpaca my bags i hope you all get to alpaca your bags soon <laughs> catch you on the flip side <laughs>